Dearly beloved, we are gathered here together in the presence of God, don't forget that, and company, to renew some vows, long perhaps and forgotten. And it is commendable and honorable among all men, and it is not by any to be entered into unadvisedly or lightly but reverently, discreetly, advisedly, and solemnly into this renewal of vows between two persons present now to recommit themselves to one another. This marriage is the union of a husband and a wife in heart and body and mind, and it is intended for their mutual joy and for the help and comfort given to one another in prosperity and adversity. But more importantly, it is a means by which a stable and loving environment may be attained. And so I ask you, really, do you take your spouse to live together after God's ordinance in the holiest state of matrimony? And will you love them and comfort them and honor and keep them in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse, in sadness and in joy, to cherish and continually bestow upon them your heart's deepest devotion? And forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto them as long as you both shall live. If you do, say we do. We do. I love the enthusiasm here today. <laughs> Friends, we are in the verge of electing yet another president. Just days and we will know who it is at the top of our government. And we are reminded that uh, politicians are professional promise makers, making promises easy stuff. Anybody can make a promise. It's really easy. We can throw stuff at one another. The pinky prom, cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. I've had a needle in my eye, friends. You don't want a needle in your eye. Words are easy to throw out there. And you know, a lot of times, they represent our best intentions. I mean, we really want to do these things, but keeping promises are a whole other thing. Politicians, we know, are not very good at it. Not the making the promises, but the actually keeping of the promises. And guess what? Sometimes husbands and wives aren't very good at it either. The nation of Israel was terrible at it. I mean, God had given them this law. He had brought to them a covenant. If you live in this way, if you love me and honor me and serve me, then I will bless your socks off just to sum it up. I will bring goodness into your life and health and happiness and great joy. Just keep my covenant. Same is true about marriage, isn't it? But they didn't keep it. And let's face it, we're not very good at it either. 
So here we are in our study in the book of Malachi. And just uh, by way of remembrance, the nation of Israel that did not keep their covenant with God, Moses stood before them, will you do it? And they said, we will. The best of intentions. But words mean little, friends. It's all about action. And Malachi reminds them some things. To be restored back into this life that God wants them to live, there were a couple of things they needed to learn how to do. And we will refresh our memory, friends, in these sorts of things. We don't say these things in friendships, but we mean them. We mean, I'm going to look out for you. I will protect your honor and your respect. I will not talk about you to demean you or tear you down. We say things that, hey, I want to be what is good in this person's life and not what is evil. Well, the first thing, friends, that we need to be reminded of is that if we are going to live in a relationship with anyone, especially God, we must learn how to honor them. I want you to notice here in Malachi chapter 2, Malachi in chapter 2, Malachi has a few words for the priests. But friends, these words are good for you and I today. Notice these principles. And now, O priests, Malachi chapter 2 and verse 1, this command is for you. And if you will not listen, and if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart, because you do not stop for just a moment and consider what it is you're doing, and not to someone else, to your very own self. Paul said, <laughs> to hate your wife is to hate your own self. For God has joined you together, and what you do to them, you do to yourself. Hmm. And what we learn is, in this, this attempt, this, this instruction to honor God, we ask the question, why should we honor God? It's an important question. Why is that so important? Because God blesses those who honor Him. And sometimes the blessing is just plain built in. You invest in someone else's life, and friends, as a repercussion, you discover you have invested in your own life. You did not invest in them so that you might invest in yourself. That's not friendship, friends. That's just using people. But when you honor someone, you show honor even in your own life. But God blesses those who honor him. And when we honor God, he honors us. Notice in verse 3, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring, spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. What is this? 
when they, they do, you, any, any deer hunters out here? Do we have anybody that hunts deer around here? Because some of you may not be aware of this, but when you take a deer, you've you got to slice it open and ungut it. I mean, you know, just chop through and, sp- and then just scoop all the guts out. It's really, really glorious, I'll tell you, <laughs> in, a, in an unusual kind of way. And that's what he's talking about because one of the things that the priest did is, is, is people would bring their offerings to God and they would care for this offering, present this offering, and all of the messy stuff of these offerings would be smeared on them. It was certainly a position of dishonor with God. And why? Because they would not keep it to heart. They would not consider what it is they were doing in dishonoring God. But he said that, that dishonor tends to spread itself. I don't know if maybe you know someone who's, who's one of their parents or perhaps even both did something horrible, newspaper kind of horrible. You know, I mean, in the micro sense of that, how about your parents walking you to school on the first day and giving you that, that great big smooch and kiss and a hug and, and here's your little back, you know, your, your lunchbox and don't forget the Twinkies in there. Mom, just go away. <laughs> you know, moms can't help that because they love their kids. But all that you think about, oh, everybody's watching this. I look like a little diaper baby you know, with my mommy. It's a great thing. We used to tease a a friend of mine in in elementary school about all the stuff his mom would pack in his lunch, you know. Like, oh, did your mommy pack that for you? you?" And he just looked at us and says, yeah, my mom loves me. And we were dead silent at the thought of, yeah, that's what moms do. There were no words after that, no more teasing. And we looked at our own lunches. (laughs) You can be dishonored by your parents. And the dishonor that was shown here felt forth on their children as well. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring. Spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings. And you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. A reminder of being careful to honor God. How do we honor God? Well, we honor God by by obeying his commandments. When he speaks, we act. When God tells us to not forsake the gathering of ourselves together, We honor God by saying, I could do a lot of things and last night was really long and I'm really tired, but God matters to me. I will honor God though tired I may be, I will be here. We honor God by reading his word. We honor God by approaching even those difficult books, those those clean pages like Leviticus, and we don't know what's going on, and who are these, and why are we doing this, and eh, that's yucky. And, uh, And we honor God by going even when we don't want to, and especially when it's not easy, and we do it. Do we honor God? We honor God by the way we talk, by the way we live 
Because people know something about God by knowing us. I, I, I profess to be a believer. What can you learn about God from my life? Well, friends, if I have not walked carefully, talked carefully, chosen carefully, I can bring dishonor to God by my life. Honoring God. It's the way you honor your spouse. I wonder, do you ever talk about your spouse to other people? Friends, if it's not positive, then be silent. If you talk ill about a friend, you have dishonored them and yourself by doing it. One of the things that we ought to do is look out for one another. Protect one another's reputation among others. People don't need to know the nitty and the gritty of the inside. We honor one another and the way we honor God. The way we treat one another. What does it tell the world when we look at one another as believers, we shake our head and, and talk evil about someone. We dishonor God, my friends. We dishonor God. We never even thought he cared. Never thought he even looked, but God sees everything. It's not just your words, friends. It's your heart towards someone. Honoring God. God blesses those who honor him, my friends. That's just part of the old covenant, and it's certainly part of a new covenant. God has chosen to bless even those who are wicked. You know, people like me and you, calling us into a relationship with himself to give us a promise, to give us a hope, to give us a life. He's honored us, my friends. We ought to honor him. So How? I mean, how should we honor God? Look at verse 5. Well, perhaps the first instruction is this, to fear God. My covenant with him, talking about Levi, this was uh, Moses' brother, was the, the, the line of priests would come from Levi. And, uh, and, and he was given a covenant. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave it to him. I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear. And he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Think about that. You know, I, last week I talked about Melanie getting out of the car and looking out. And just my heart just, just did a little thump thump, you know. It wasn't because of anything she was wearing. It was because I had a great love for her. And that happens all the time. Sometimes while I'm preaching, I'm like, oh, there she is over there, you know. And, and it's, just, it's just a love that you have. It is, is when you think of this person and when you think of your God, do you have an awe of who he is? You know, lately, uh, last, I don't know, a couple of decades, you know, Jesus has become our bud, you know. He's our bud. Yeah, he's our bro. He's our... He's our God. I mean, he went to the cross and died for you. He deserves more than a high five, friends. Do you fear God? Do you reverence God? I mean, what, what kind of relationship do we have if we treat one another carelessly? Fearing God. How about speaking the truth? That's a, a way to honor someone. 
is to tell them the truth, not to fabricate a story spoken in such a way as you think they'll be pleased to hear it, but to honor someone and tell them the truth. True instruction, look at here, verse 6, was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. What comes out of your mouth tells a whole lot about you, and it tells the world a whole lot about God. And so we, we pause for a moment and consider our language. What words do we choose to, to, to enter our vocabulary? And what topics of discussion are found there? We honor God in all of these things, or we dishonor Him in these places. Because it's easy to show lip service, show up on Sunday and sing those songs loudly about how good God is and how great and how we love Him. And that we live carefree and devil-free, I'll tell you, friends, through the week. Let it not be so. We look like believers on Sunday, but nothing of the sort on Tuesday. That's how we honor God. We fear Him. We speak the truth. And notice, and we live right. And right is living according to the standards of God. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. Rightness is righteousness, is living right based on what it is that God has told us about this life, about how we ought to love Him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that irritating neighbor like yourself. You know, love is easy when the person is nice and the person is kind. I stopped to get a donut. I'm on a donut diet here. Try and eat a donut every week. It's lost. Uh, well, I haven't lost anything lately, but <laughs> but my friends, I walked up to the counter, and it was the guy. The, the guy there was was like he was looking right through me, right past me. You know, it was busy. It was crazy. It was just distracted. And sometimes we get like that. I mean, we miss we we miss the the needs of people right in front of us. Because we're so consumed with our own thoughts, desires, broken dreams, things we want, and when we want them, and we miss what's going on in front of us. You know, living right, loving the people around. Your love is not displayed by the people you like, my friends. It is how you treat those people who are unlovable and those people who are unlikable. Think about that for a moment, because love is not based on the other person. It's based on your own commitment. Love is a personal, sacrificial investment in someone else's life, regardless of what they may or may not have done for you. So fear God, speak the truth, live right. and impact some lives. It's part of that love in people. Notice. Continuing in verse 6 toward the end here. And he turned many from iniquity. I mean, this guy was concerned about people. I mean, he was, he was not only a personal, private, walking bubble of this is me and me alone and this is who I'm concerned about. You know, one of the ways we honor God is by bringing someone else along. I mean, he spoke the truth, he, and as a result, my friends, 
turned many from wickedly living. What I'm hoping to do right here, you know that stuff in your head and your heart that you're like, man, does God know about that too? That's the stuff I'm talking about, friends. Forsake that. That dishonors God. I mean, don't come here on Sunday and sing these songs and turn quickly to the Word and, and say, I remember reading this when I was, and then walk away unchanged. Friends, first, walk away from that stuff. That stuff is what's killing you. You want a better life? Everybody wants change in this world, but nobody wants to change. You want to change your family? Start with you. You want to change your marriage? Start with you. You want to change the world? Start with you. That's how we honor God, by living as he has called us to live. And as we noted earlier, when we dishonor God, he dishonors us. Look at verse 8. But you have turned aside from the way gives the image that at one point they were walking in the way and somewhere along the line. I wonder if this rings a bell in your Christian life when you heard the gospel, that Christ died for our sin. He rose from the dead. And you realize that is exactly what you were looking for, is a whole different way of life. You had absorbed yourself with your dreams and with your desires and with your accomplishments. And it all brought you to naught, emptiness, dissatisfaction, frustration. And you knew Jesus was the answer. A whole different kind of life. And you began to walk by faith. Things started changing. People started noticing something was a little different. And you began to tell people how great this Christian, and you would bless God and praise God, this and that, and, and, and it was nothing but exciting every day to talk to Jesus, to study his word, and something happened somewhere. And, and you know what the real problem is? You see, it's hard. It was, was it that one choice? What is it? The, somewhere along the line, you stopped making the choices that brought you there. Something got ordinary, and you walked away. My friends, turning aside, and you have no idea how, how someone may have been watching you in seeing this change come over your life, and wondering, I need what they have. Maybe this Jesus thing is, and they watched, and they, they listened. Maybe as you talked to someone else, and, and they wondered. And suddenly it was shut off. Gradually, maybe, a little less of this, and they got on to something else. And think about how you could have honored God by living out his, his, this relationship, telling others about his wonders, and then it was gone. Hmm. But you've turned aside from the way, verse 8. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction, and you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. 
And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instructions. So honor God. Honor God today with your life, with your lips, with your actions, what you choose to do and what you refuse to do. Make the honor of God the reason for the choice. And then we have a transition here. For there was something else that God through Malachi had something to say to these people. And it was this. Not only honor me, but be faithful to me. Faithful is not the promise and intention. Faithful is the living out of those promises and those intentions. Remember your wedding day? All the excitement and the crazy things that went on. I get in a little fender bender and they called them. Ahead, told Melanie, I've been in a terrible accident. <laughs> like it's a little dent in the front bender, you know. It was crazy. I mean, just the weird little memories of things, you know. And the excitement of, I can't believe it. We're together. We're married. We can wake up together. We can live life together. We can go to the same place at night and not have to worry about getting home at a certain time. And how wonderful life is. What happened? What got in the way? Where's that excitement? Where's that freshness, that wonder that God gave them to you? What happened, friends? What changed about you? See, I figure that some of you said, well, I'll tell you what they did. What about you? Be faithful. Be faithful to one another. Verse 10, have we not one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another? And as a result, profaning the covenant of our fathers. Because the heart of the covenant is love. Love for God, love for one another. And all of the principles and the statutes were laid out to protect us from violating one another in our relationship with God. Hmm. Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? And be faithful to God. Look at here in verse 11. Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign god. Their heart was no longer with Yahweh. Little exciting things fluttering over on the side caught their eye. And suddenly in the midst of a whole new culture and a new god. And they just walked away. No one had to drag them away, my friends. Rarely is the enemy ever on the outside. I could even say never. The enemy is not out there, friends. The enemy to the goodness in your life and the faithfulness of a relationship and the joy that follows takes place in you. 
It is your choices. It is what your eye sees that your mind engages in. The thoughts, the wandering that brings you elsewhere. The enemy is you. The enemy is me. It's between the ears, my friends. Slightly lower than your shoulder blades. Toward the front. It's the heart and the mind. Be faithful to one another. Be faithful to God. But they had been faithless. Judah profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of foreign God. And may the Lord cut off the tents of Jacob and any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the lords of hosts. It's hypocrisy. They're off worshiping the God of the, the Gentiles. And then comes Shabbat. There they are offering to the Lord and they dishonor him. God is not fooled by a sacrifice. God only cares about the life, the heart, the movements, who you are in your core. So be faithful to God. Be faithful to one another. And then notice, if you will, here in verse 13, he says, and be faithful to your spouse. A bit of a quiet interruption to some country long ago right to where we live. My friends, your relationship with God sets the tempo for your marriage. God designed marriage to be just that. A, it is an outflow of His very nature. God lives in perfect fellowship with Himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in perfect harmony, joy, all of the fruit of the Spirit, it is what is experienced in God for all eternity. And in God's great love, says, I want to share it with you. God referred to Israel as His bride. Jesus refers to the church as His bride. You want to talk about a marriage ceremony, my friends. The moment that you professed a faith in Jesus Christ, you entered a relationship that should last forever. Be faithful to your spouse. Your relationship with God sets the temple for marriage. Look at verse 13. And this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altars with tears, weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. You made promises you did not keep. You poorly reflect the character of God in your relationship. You have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Peter talked about the very same thing as a warning to couples. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3 in verse 1, Peter reminding these people that are, are, are soon to be facing some serious persecution, take care of your home first. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, 
So that even if some do not obey the word, that's talking about the husbands who are disobedient to what God has said, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. It's not the wives over and over, you know, this is wrong, you're doing the wrong thing. No, stop, you're going in the wrong direction, Peter says. Lead them by your actions, not by the words. The most powerful, my friends, is never the words. It is the actions, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. It's a promise. It's a principle. Because as you want to influence your husband, live well. Honor God. Choose him. And notice, Peter says how, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. That's just a caveat here. This be subject is not something that the husband does to them. It is the wife who willingly subjects herself to her husband to say, I will live for you. I will serve this marriage well. I will put you first in my choices. Interestingly enough, the Bible nowhere commands a wife to love her husband. Is that funny to you? And yet everywhere, oh, husbands love your wives. Yeah, guess what? The very nature of subjecting yourself to someone else is the very act of love. The very act. So when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external. Uh, don't think that by changing your looks, you're going to change anyone's heart. The braiding of the hair and the putting on of gold jewelry are the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious, very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting themselves to their own husband as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, a little bit of instruction for the husbands, friends, and this is where we want to land Live with your wives, <coughs> excuse me, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And I want you to notice, so that your prayers be not hindered. Men, take very serious. God cares how you treat your wives. John reminds us, you cannot say you love God, but hate your brother. Anyone who hates his brother and says he loves God is a liar. Love God and your neighbor. To dishonor his child is to dishonor him. Take it serious, friends. It's in the old, it's in the new. My friends, 
honor him. Be faithful to him, to one another, to God, to your spouse. Hmm, heavy stuff. See? Be, uh, Be honoring and faithful to your spouse because your relationship with God sends the tempo for your marriage. And marriage is a reflection of God. I want you to notice here in verse 15, did he not make them one? Now, there's a little wordplay here that's hard to see in the English. The word one in the Bible is echad. Everybody say echad. You got to go like that, okay? Echad, okay? And it means more than just one or a single unit, it has the, the flux of, of unity, part of the, the doctrinal statement of Israel is Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In Genesis, when, when God creates marriage, he says, and the two will become echad, as God is echad. So is this reflected in marriage. It is a unity. And what God has joined together, no man should separate, friends. It is a reflection of who God is. And marriage (laughs) is meant to be fruitful. And what was the one God, there it is, Echad, seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves. And there is the warning, friends, guard yourselves in your spirit. And let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says Yahweh, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Do not be faithless. Friends, when you invest in others, you also invest in yourself. When you invest in your relationship with God, he is honored, but your life is enriched. When you invest in your spouse, you invest in yourself. When you invest in your friends, you invest in yourselves. It is a wise thing to be honoring and to be faithful and the covenants you've made. So, do some evaluation. And perhaps if you're even brave, ask them. Have you the courage to ask your spouse whether or not they believe you have been faithful to your marriage covenant? And do not be so careless as to think that only means about adultery. He promised to love them, to honor them, to cherish them. What do they think? Hmm. Ask them and be honest. And what you have heard, own up. Friends, if you have not invested the time that honors your spouse, it's time. Own up, seek forgiveness. And number three, prioritize. Friends, if they have not been one on the list, part of your relationship with God is loving others. Certainly that ought to start at home. Love them. 
sacrificial investment in someone else's life. Hmm. 